I'm preaching tonight on this subject, on the right message, the right motive, but the wrong method. The right message, the right motive, but the wrong method. And what I see in this text here tonight is I see in verse number 11, David's warning. As the Bible says that Saul also sent messengers unto David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. Now David is in a very uh, difficult situation. Saul has made several attempts to try to kill David as we've seen in the life of David here. And David's wife comes to him and reveals to him and tells him that if thou save not thy life tonight, tomorrow thou shalt be slain. And so David is given a solemn warning here that there are messengers that have come that are ready to kill David and to take his life. Now Saul is a type and a picture of the flesh and certainly as the flesh would like to kill all of us, the flesh also has other instruments or other individuals should I say in this world that is very detrimental to us as well. And so David finds himself not only running from Saul but now he is running from his messengers. And I want to simply say this tonight, that when you and I receive a warning, regardless of who it comes from and where it comes from, we ought to look beyond the exterior of that individual and see that that warning was not so much from David's wife, but it was a warning from God. It was God giving David wisdom at a time in his life when he needed it the most. And can I tell you tonight, God will use a pastor and God will use parents and God will use other individuals in our life to give us warnings that can salvage us from the pitfalls of the flesh. Amen. And so David was spiritual enough to recognize this warning. And Saul is sending messengers after David. We see in verse number 11 that they were sent. As the Bible said that he sent messengers. There was more than one. There were several of them. And I want to simply say tonight that the flesh has many, it has many different options that it can use to try to take an individual down. And you and I have got to be very careful. My friend, listen, we see that these messengers was on the outside of David's home and they were waiting and, and they was waiting for David just to come out to take him. And can I tell you tonight, the messengers of the flesh are waiting on the outside of our homes, ready to destroy us and to take us down. It's not by accident that we find in this text here that they're after the head of that home. They're after David. And I would say to every man here tonight, you better be careful and prayerful, friend, because as the priest of your own home and as the head of your own house, uh, you mark it down, you've got the biggest bullseye and I have the biggest bullseye on me tonight, not just as a pastor, but as a husband, as a father tonight. I want to tell you the devil is after our homes. Amen. And friend, we need a revival of manhood in this day and time. We need a revival when men will be men once again. And too many homes are suffering because men are not the spiritual leaders of their home. And they've allowed, they put that burden and responsibility on that wife to take those kids to church and to train them up in the nurture and the admonition. Or maybe that man goes to church, but spiritually speaking, he's lazy and he doesn't come to Sunday school like he should. Or maybe he's there, but he doesn't... He doesn't have the spiritual wisdom and discernment. Hey, there's more than being a leader spiritually than just taking your family to church. Can I get a witness right there? 
And the warning is, if you want to keep your home together, you are to lead your family in prayer. You are to lead them in family devotion. You are to lead them, my friend, in making the right spiritual decisions. You are to be that one that your wife and your children can look to to find the spiritual answers that are needed in the home. Amen? But we find David's warning here. These messengers are sent. There's several of them. They have surrounded this home. And they're not leaving, friend. The Bible said that they were there to slay him in the morning. They're there for the long haul. They're waiting on the outside for David just to step out at that very moment and they're ready to take David's life. And so I see here these uh, David's warning. But secondly, I see in verse number 12, I notice David's window. As the Bible said that Michael let David down through a window and he went and fled and escaped. So we find here that David had some help. God used David's wife to help him in a very crucial situation in his life. Listen, the, uh, she let David down through that window. And can I tell you something tonight? God has always got a window window of escape in times of adversity. God doesn't need an idol. He's got a window. Amen. Uh, God will have a way of escape even when the enemy is sitting on the outside and it looks like you're surrounded and it looks like there's no way out, friend. I want to tell you the God that we serve tonight when it looks like there is no way. As the songwriter said, he will make a way just as he made a way for the children of Israel to cross over on the uh, through the Red Sea. He parted the water for them, God will part the waters in my life and in yours uh, just as God made a way for Joseph uh, when it looked like that Joseph had been forgotten, he found favor in the eyes of the Lord and just as God made a way my friend for Daniel in the lion's den and the Hebrews boys in the fire and Ruth when she was down in Moab uh, and Joshua when he was in Canaan, uh, God has always made a way because God knows what we need when we need it, amen, and and so I see here David's warning. I see David's window. But this is what I want to focus on for a few minutes tonight. I see David's wife, amen? Because in verse number 13 down to verse number 17, the emphasis is really not on David, though it is the life of David. The emphasis is really on his wife. And what we find here is that his wife, like so many people today, she had the right message, Brother Laddie. When she came to David and she delivered that message, you'd have to agree with me in verse number 11, she had the right message. Isn't that right? She told David the truth. And then she had the right motive. I, I believe that she loved David. And I believe that she didn't want to see David killed. And so she came to David with the right message and she had the right motive. But now in verse number 13, she He's about to do something that is not spiritual, something that is not biblical, amen? She's Though she may have the right message and she may have the right uh, motive, she does not have the right method, amen? She turns to idols. David has already escaped. God has already taken care of him. And if she would trust God, God would take care of her just like he took care of David. But she turns to idolatry in verse number 13. She uses lies in verse number 14. And she tells the messengers that he is sick. She covers up in verse number 16 and uses deception on her own father and betrayal in verse number 17. What I'm saying in this text 
tonight is here is a woman that has uh, God has used her to save a man's life. God has used her to help rescue him. She has had the right message. She has had the right motive, uh, but she's now using the wrong method. This is a very fleshly method. It's a very false method, and it's a very flawed message tonight. And doesn't that sound like a lot of people today in our churches, friend? They have the right message. Uh, they've got the right motive, uh, but they're using the wrong methods in this day and time. I'm preaching this because it's such a reality in where we live at. Churches that were once old-fashioned still want to wear the title old-fashioned, but yet they're using methods that sometimes are just staggering at the things that they're doing. Can I tell you tonight, if we're gonna serve God in 2017, we've gotta stick with the basics. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you the things that has brought the church to where she's at this, this evening is that, my friend, the only things that will work in this world. We're not supposed to use methods that appeals to this world. We're not supposed to, you know, God didn't put us here to appeal to the world. God put us here to be light in the midst of this world. We're not to use worldly methods tonight. We have the right message. We should have the right motive. But I'll tell you, with the right message and with the right motive, we've got to have the right method, amen? And listen, it's not just what we say and just what we do, but it's how we do what we do and how we say what we say. You see, you can have truth tonight and you can have a motive to want to win sinners, but if you don't use the right methods, biblical methods tonight, then my friend, listen, it'll be of none effect to a lost in a dying world. The truth of our text is tonight is that when Saul and these messengers were standing in this house here, there was not anything that she was doing to point them to God. And everything that David did in the life of David and Saul, there was always a message that Saul was reminded that the Lord was with David, except in this situation. Because idolatry was brought in. Do you know in a lot of our churches, we have churches that use the right Bible, they preach the right Bible. They have the right motive. They want to see people saved just like we want to see people saved. But they're changing their methods now. And we're hearing a lot about taking down barriers and, and removing boundaries and, and, and changing things, uh, tweaking things and turning things to, uh, to appease people, uh, doing things that the people say oftentimes that are relevant to the time. Well, I want to tell you something, friend. We're not supposed to be relevant. We're supposed to be right. Amen? And I would rather be right and not be relevant and reach this lost and dying world uh, as to change. There's just some things uh, we cannot afford to change. John. Amen. I'm talking about some methods tonight that my friend, we must keep right. We must keep the right message. We must keep the right motive, but we must keep the right methods in what we're doing tonight. We must keep the right method in soul winning. Somebody say amen. Can I tell you tonight, I do not believe in easy believism, but I'm not a Calvinist neither tonight. I believe in a whosoever will gospel. I believe in old time Holy Ghost conviction. Somebody say amen. I believe, listen, if you'll preach and if you'll witness and if you'll share the gospel with somebody, if they have a desire to be saved, then I believe they can't be saved. Amen. And I think there's a balance in soul winning tonight. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 31 says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he that winneth souls 
Moses is wise. In Acts chapter one and verse number eight, Jesus said, uh, he said, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And we're called to be a witness. Somebody say amen. Psalms 126 and verse number five, said they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I believe tonight if we'll pray for sinners, if we'll get a burden for sinners, if we'll go after sinners, if we'll witness the sinners, we can see sinners get saved. Amen? They're not gonna come by themselves. We've got to go after them. Isn't that right? That means we've got to go in the highways and the hedges. We've got to go to the nursing homes. We've got to go, my friend, to the jails. We've got to go to Skid Row. We've got to go door to door, house to house. Somebody say amen. We've got to run vans. We've got to run buses. We've got to do everything that we can to pull as many people away from the fire as what we can possibly do. But at my friend and our very best, when we've done all that we can, when we get them here and get them under the preaching of the word of God, there is one work that you and I cannot do, and that is the work of the Holy Ghost tonight. I believe people can get saved in their house. Somebody say amen. Paul told them in Acts chapter 16, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And his house got saved down at their house. Amen. I believe if you'll witness the people, give them the gospel, they can be saved. Very few people get saved the first time that they hear the gospel. There are some that get saved the first time they hear the gospel. But it's not up to us to win the sinner. It's up to us to witness to the sinner. And if we'll sow the gospel and let the gospel have its effect in their heart and their life, listen, God in due season will give us the increase. Amen. But we cannot change our method of soul winning. It's amazing how that you can drive up and down the road and you can see people standing in the, in the middle of the town holding up streets, uh, holding up signs, talking about their church and advertising their church and sometimes I'm ashamed when I ride by and I see how they're dressed and I see how they're acting out there and they're holding a church sign. I mean that, that shames me to the cause of Christ sometimes. Uh, I'll tell you we ought to be godly examples. Uh, we ought to go out and listen. We just got to go door to door. We just got to go house to house. It doesn't matter if it's cold or hot or if it's raining outside. We got to have a burden for people that are dying lost and going to hell. Amen. We got to witness to our family and our friends and the people that we work around. We've got to have the right testimony on the job. Somebody say amen. So we can witness and win people that God puts you there on that job to be a witness to them people. And you should be a witness to them by the way that you live your life and by your work ethic. But I want to tell you something, friend. The way to build a church is soul winning. Somebody say amen. It's not proselyting other church members. Somebody say amen. It's not courting other church members. It's not going and stealing other church members. I'm telling you, it's going out and just preaching the gospel. Amen. Now, God may send people to your church to join your church. Uh, but I'll tell you something, the growth of a church uh, is not to see how many different members we can get from other churches, but the growth of a church uh, is to go find a George Hartman somewhere uh, and listen, knock on a door and go after him and win him and preach the gospel to him uh, and someone else. We can look at other people here that have been saved as a result of coming to this church. Uh, that's the growth of a church and that's the right method. It's soul winning. Do you realize there's a lot of churches would put as much emphasis on knocking on doors and, and just sharing the gospel and passing out tracts. They wouldn't need all these gimmicks. 
And I'm not against having fun. Y'all know that. But I'm talking about sowing the gospel. Listen, there's nothing more powerful than the gospel tonight. Are y'all still with me? I know we got Jubilee hangover, but y'all hang with me just a few more minutes uh, and let's shout it out anyway. I'm talking about keeping the right method. We got to be soul winners. We got to have the right method in our singing. Somebody say amen. I believe our songs have got to have the right message. Somebody say it, ma'am. That means they've got to have the blood in them. They've got to have the book and the blessed hope and all of those things, the right doctrine. Isn't that right? Listen, I say to all you singers sometimes, listen, you need to be careful about the songs that you sing. And you know me well enough. If you sing something and it's not right, I'm not gonna be mean. But you know, I'll be careful and I'll come to you and say, hey, don't sing that song. But pray for discernment, amen. And if you don't have discernment, come ask me about it because I'll tell you if it's spiritual or not. But listen, the Bible said speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Hey, them singing's got to have the right message. Can I get a witness right there? And can I be honest with you? There's a lot of songs written today. They just, they just don't have nothing. There's no, there's no substance to it. I mean, just because it says something about going through a storm, listen to it, amen? Because there's people that went through storms and wrote about storms, uh, and it's got some substance, amen? Some people write songs just to, just to get a name or just to get fame, uh, but there's no substance to what they're writing about. It's got to have the right message, but that singing's got to have the right melody. Somebody say amen. Just for the record, we are against contemporary music, aren't we? I believe if it sounds like the world, we will not be seen. Amen. I'm telling you, if it's got the worldly beat to it, you see, it ought to, our song, our singing should not be fleshly. It ought to be spiritual. And if you're saved tonight and you know Jesus, uh, uh, listen, when you hear a good gospel song, it appeals to your spirit. Amen? Now listen, there's some music that just appeals to my flesh tonight. And that's not that's not to be in the house of God. It's not to be in our, in our cars neither. Amen? Or in our houses. But we're to sing songs uh, uh, that glorify God in the house. Uh, Hey, listen, we don't dance to the world's beat tonight, amen? Uh, we don't sing their melody. We don't sing their tune tonight. We have, a, uh, we have a tune of our own, amen? I believe when a choir sings or when special singers sing, uh, listen, there ought, uh, ought to be a sense of heaven about the songs that they're singing, but so many churches are changing their methods uh, uh, tonight and they're changing it in their music, amen? And I, I know that that's a battle we're gonna fight till the end. There's people that's visited this church and has left this church because we were against contemporary music. But I want to tell you something, friend. If we don't stand for something, God help us tonight. Is that right? Hey, we're not, I'm not for taking out the lights and putting in, you know, disco lights. Y'all with me tonight? Come on now. I'm not for I'm not for darkening the lights or making the choir blue. I don't even know what that's about. But I see I'm not for putting them you know them lights are putting in the back of it and it and it gives it that funny look. I mean I don't want that. Amen. I mean let's just stick with the old stuff. Amen. Let's just sing Amazing Grace. Let's just sing What a Fellowship. What a Joy Divine. Let's just sing some of them old songs about the blood that's got the touch of God on it, friend. We don't need that method. Amen. Uh, we listen. We can still have, and they'll say, "Well, uh, preacher, it's got good words." Yeah, but it sounds like it come out of a bar somewhere. Amen. I mean, if you got, if you turn the radio on and you got to ask your wife, "Is that Christian?" Then you ought to burn that CD. Somebody say, "Amen." 
Isn't that right? I was preaching church not too long ago. It was back last year. And, and, and honest to goodness, I, my wife is sitting here telling you I'm not making this up. I was sitting there and a lady got up and she sung a, a song about a pony and a rainbow. And you know what was more disturbing than that? People were shouting at it. I looked at my wife. I said, if I lost my mind, I'd ask her at right in church. They couldn't hear me anyway. I said, what are they shouting about? A pony and a rainbow. I mean, I was looking for a little lucky charm guy to end that song <laughs> somewhere. But I thought to myself, what in the world have we come to today? Do you know that 40 years ago, sinners had more convictions about a lot of music than what we, they would know better than that? And now, listen, if it's got God in it, if it's got Jesus in it, um, listen, uh, uh, they, just, they just let it go, let it pass. Uh, but I'll tell you something, if it don't bear witness, uh, if it don't have a touch on it, I mean, we call it, amen? I tell Brother David, if I even give him a song, I said, sing it a few times. If we don't strike oil, just throw it in the trash, amen? And let's just go on to something else. Uh, but I'm telling you, it'll have a touch on it, amen? It ought to glorify God. It ought to magnify Jesus Christ, and it ought to edify the church toward the things of God. But we don't need to change our method about soul winning. We don't need to change our message about singing. And then we don't need to change our method tonight about the sanctuary. Amen. Amen. Be amazed the churches today that take out the altar. They take out the pulpit. They get rid of the choir. And listen, I know the book that was written several years ago that encouraged that, but what? listen, that don't surprise me, but what does surprise me is the men that once stood for what we stand for and once preached what we preached. Uh, I'm telling you, listen, I'm not lifted up in pride tonight. I'm just being honest with you. If it could happen to them, it could happen to me, but I pray to God that I never lose my mind spiritually and go in that direction, friend. Uh, I like a pulpit, don't you? Uh, and not a glass one on top of that, amen? I like a pulpit pit of wood, uh, uh, just like the Bible says. Uh, uh, somebody came up to me and said, well, you know that pulpit of wood was really a platform. Uh, I said, I know that. Uh, uh, but listen, I don't want a glass pulpit uh, uh, standing up here. Uh, uh, listen, I'd feel as, I'd feel like I, I mean, I'd just feel just, I ain't even gonna tell you how I'd feel. Amen. <laughs> You'll get the picture. Man, I don't want glass. Give me a pulpit of wood. Somebody say Amen. That's what Ezra stood on. And I'll tell you what, he probably had a stump or something to preach from. But I'm telling you, friend, we don't need all these new methods. Listen, somebody said, well, if you take the pews out and if you'll change some things up a little bit and if you'll take Baptist off your sign and take the word church off your sign and just change it to a one-name church, it'll be more relevant. But I want to tell you something, friend. There's some things, I believe the house of God's a holy place. I believe the the house of God is God's house and we ought to reverence it and we ought to take care of it. Amen. And while I'm on the subject, if your kids run after church and some of them do, get you a hickory and wear their backside out. Somebody say amen. I've kind of been slack on that. I reckon the grandpa's kicked in or something. I used to preach that and I just stopped preaching it. And I've seen some of these kids going wild around here. I'll tell you something. Teach them. You don't run in the house of God. 
and you don't run all through the church and you don't run in a fellowship hall and you don't write in the song books uh, and you don't throw them down in the floor uh, and you put trash in your pocket or in a trash can and you don't put chewing gum under the seat. Somebody say, man, uh, this is God's house. Uh, it ought to be the cleanest place. Uh, it ought to be the nicest looking place. Uh, I'm telling you, we ought to take God, uh, good care of the sanctuary and what goes on in here. We ought to dress right when we come in the sanctuary. Now, we ought to dress right every day. Somebody say amen. But I tell you, we ought to at least have enough respect to dress right when we come in the house of God. And I'm not talking about a sinner tonight. I tell you, if you can bring a long-haired hippie sinner, I say hallelujah. Let's fill the pews full of them. Somebody say amen. But now if you're saved and you're a member of the church, you ought to have a haircut. Isn't that right? It ought to look right. Amen. I'm just talking about, I'm just talking about the house of God. I'm talking about things that you shouldn't even have to preach on to church folks nowadays, but we're living in that generation when nothing matters and the lines have been blurred. I'm talking about we've got to have the right methods. And when it comes to the house of God, I believe we ought to look like we're going to church when we go to church. I believe we ought to carry a Bible when we go to church. I believe the preacher ought to preach out of a Bible when he preaches. Somebody say amen. Now I use an iPad sometimes for notes. But I don't trust them things. Sometimes I'll use one for notes, but when I go to preach, I got a King James Bible right here. Amen. Hey, and that's what everybody needs to carry to church. You say, Brother Grapple, I got my Bible on my phone. Yeah, I know that, but there's a lot of other stuff on that phone too. And so just carry a Bible. When people see you going to the car on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, they, listen, they, they don't convict them you carrying a phone, but when you put a Bible under your arm, they know where you're going and what you're doing. And I think we shouldn't get away from those things. We ought to carry our Bibles to church. I'm just gonna preach on everything tonight because I feel like it. And you're, you're probably going to go sleep here in a few minutes anyway. So let me just preach a few more minutes tonight. I'm saying, friend, listen, we can't change our methods when it comes to the sanctuary. Now, I'm not critical when I make this statement. Please don't misunderstand me. I know good men that puts their sermons on screens and preaches from them. And if that's what they want to do, I'm not being critical of that at all. But that will never, ever work for me. I'm just telling you. And I'm not even saying that's wrong. But it makes me nervous. Can I say that? Maybe it don't make you nervous, but it makes me nervous. And I go places, I'm not against having a screen and putting words for a song as long as it's the right song. Somebody say amen. So people can see them and they're, they're, they're larger for people that don't have, have good eyesight. I'm not against that stuff there. Some of those things that makes things a little bit simpler. But it, I'm telling you, you got to be careful we don't take things too far. Amen. And sometimes you got to wonder where's this going to? Amen. If it's in the right direction, it's okay. But I'm telling you, listen, there's got to be some lines. I, I know I'm getting myself in just a little bit of trouble here, but I'm going to preach it anyway because it's right, friend. I'm telling you, we can't change our methods in the sanctuary. I still believe in preaching in the sanctuary. I still believe in testifying in the sanctuary. I still believe in shouting in the sanctuary. I believe, listen, the Bible said praise God in his sanctuary. We ought to worship in the house of God. Amen. I was preaching in a meeting one time. I think I shared this. A man got to shouting and a lady didn't like it to the point that she stuck her fingers in her ears. She just did what some people wanted to do. But you know what? He was two pews behind her and I was one pew in front of her and she was doing this 
Well, he just went to shouting louder. I just helped him. I, I just helped him. She was looking at me like, would you please stop that? And I thought, no, ma'am, I'm not. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're not changing, friend. Y'all with me tonight? Thank God for old time worship. Thank God for old time singing, old time shouting. Amen. Hey, listen, it may not suit everybody's fancy, but it's still good enough for me. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, what God did here tonight, what God did here this morning, what God did last week, I'm a candidate 150% for it. I'm telling you, if God gets on you and you shout and it's in the spirit, amen, and you're right, I'm going to back you up. Amen. I'm just simply saying tonight, we don't need to change our methods in the sanctuary. We don't need to change our methods when it comes to separation. I believe we're to live right. We're to live clean. We're to dress right. We should look right. I get in some churches and I'm ashamed of what I see in the house of God. And can I tell you this? I've made statements from this pulpit on Sunday morning and it's, it, it's, it's embarrassing when there's been times when you've had to dress the congregation. And I believe this congregation does right. But I'm telling you, you know there has been times when people would push the envelope and you would have to say something. That's embarrassing to me. It's embarrassing on Sunday morning because I'll tell you why. There's lost people here and I'm concerned about their soul. And they don't understand that. But at the same time, we have to hold the standard, don't we? We got to do right when we come to church. Summertime is coming on. And I'm telling you, people start peeling like an onion when it comes summertime. Am I telling the truth? Now don't die on me because I'm preaching on dressing right. I believe we ought to dress right. I believe, listen, I, don't, I think when you go to church, you ought to not have to clean your mind up from what you see in the house of God. I believe we ought to be modest in our dress. And I believe it ought to be neck to the bottom of our knee. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, people ought to look at us and clothes were designed and made to put on the body, not to take off the body. Amen. I'm just, if, you, if you're right with God tonight, this doesn't bother you. But I'm just telling you, friend, there's a lot of nakedness in the house of God. And it's not coming from sinners. It's coming from people that say they're saved. I was preaching in a church back in July of last year. And when I was there, there was, I don't know, there was a couple hundred people in that church, never been there. No, it's not true. I had, it had been about maybe, probably been about 12 years. And they had a new pastor. And I, and I didn't know the pastor. But I sat down, and Brother Charles, I won't go into detail but out of the stuff that went on in that church, the Holy Ghost spoke to me. Just about what I'm preaching. The Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, you don't have to come back here no more. And I'm not going back there. And what I'm saying to you tonight is, if God told me not to go back, right. there's a high possibility He ain't going back. That's right. What I'm saying tonight is, people don't like that. It. You lose people from time to time for over it. And I hate that. I really hate that. I do. I'm telling you, you don't know how that breaks my heart. But the truth of the matter is, if we give up on that, we're done, friend. You can bury this church if we, lose, if we drop our standards of dress code when it comes to dressing right in the house of God. We're done. And I, by the grace of God, as long as I pastor... I intend to hold those standards. I intend to keep those methods tonight. The right method. 
Because, you know, you can do those things and not be a Pharisee. I don't think I'm better than nobody tonight. In fact, I, I, I'm going to tell you something. I live with me. If there's anybody in this building tonight that needs prayer, you're looking at him. I battle my flesh every day just like everybody else. And anybody that tells you they don't deal with the flesh, they're just lying. But I want to do right. Don't you want to do right? I've had some... I've had some encounters in the last few days with some individuals. I'm telling you, it's just brought a reality to me at how quick the devil can, can destroy a church. Not in this church. I've just had some friends in the ministry and some things they've went through. And I'm praying for them and with them. And I've had friends in the ministry. I've had them say things like this. And, 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 and please don't judge what I'm about to say. I partially understand them, Brother George. I've had some pastor friends. They've told me, they've said, I'm just tired of fighting some of this stuff. I'm just tired of it. And, and I, just, I just ain't fighting it no more. And there's a part of me as a pastor, I understand that. Because see, the bottom line is nobody in this room has to, has to nobody in this room has to, we all can, can stand together, but nobody in this room has to deal with it except me tonight. So I understand why they get tired. But I'm going to tell you something. I'd rather quit as give in. I mean that tonight. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about on all these things. I'm telling you, I don't want to quit. I don't want to give in. I don't want to give up. What we have, God's been good to us. At visitation on that Thursday afternoon service, 20 people getting saved. The power of God. You know what that is? That's not because we're all right, but it's because we're trying to hold what's right. And God honors that. And tonight, I want to keep the right message. I want to have the right motive, but I want to maintain the right methods, don't you? I don't want to... You know what she did? She brought, she brought the world in to try to do God's business. And God didn't need an idol. He had a window. And God had already proven He took care of them and He can take care of us tonight. He can take care of this church, can't He? If we'll just do what's right. You young boys, you young girls, do right. Make your mind up you're going to do right. Your parents ought not have to ride you every week about doing right, dressing right, living right. They'll not have to stand over you and for God's sake, they'll not have to lay in the bed at night and worry themselves to death as to whether or not you're going to live right and do right. I'll tell you, if there's anything you'll do for your parents, you'll live for God while you're young and give them that peace and assurance that you're going to do what's right tonight. While we stand, these altars are open, our heads are bowed. Brother David's going to sing. If you need to come tonight, would you obey the Lord? That's right. If you need to come, you just mind God while we sing.